everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Yella. Yella. Is that like the color? Yella. Yas. All right, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we in 88 episodes have yet to do an episode from the Attack and Release Show on attack and release today is y'all's lucky day so and how you use them from compressors to limiters to dynamic eqs to any other fun stuff i forgot but first samuel matt what do you say about a little bit of housekeeping housekeeping oh that was kind of dialed down that was pretty loud it's like a different thing Oh, was it? Yeah. It's pretty quiet on my end. Anyway. <laughs> it's pretty good. Tell the people what they've won. Well, friends, today you've won the special limited time offer to go like, heart, subscribe, and share the Attack and Release show. For this limited time in the next 30 seconds, you should pause this episode, go subscribe, leave a comment, and share it with someone who needs to know about the attack and release buttons? Or knobs. Or knobs. And that is all we have for housekeeping. Thank you for tuning in. Audible claps and whatever. And we'll just assume. <laughs> we'll just assume there was a there was a, there was a fun little jam going on over there. That was, you know, you can pretend I was dancing during the whole thing. Da-da, Perhaps da-da. a samba. It might have been a samba. It might have been game shows. I just picture lots of sequins and lights. <laughs> Anyone with like fruit on their head, yes. like in a basket. <laughs> yes, that too. I don't get how they do it. It's got to all be glued together. It's magic. It's the magic of show business, baby. <clears throat> so, Sam, Matt, what is the point <laughs> of anything? Of. <laughs> Any form of a time constant on time time constant control on any one of these devices. Well, to me, in a nutshell, the uh, the purpose, the point of it is to basically help control the reaction time of the compressor. The attack and release knobs will basically determine, in my opinion, how quickly the the compressor reacts. And then how quickly it releases the signal. And when I say reacts, it's reacting to the signal or the transient. And then the release is when it lets go of the compression. And that's kind of what it does. That's essentially what those two things do. And to me, that explanation doesn't really help anyone. (laughs) But that's (laughs) So you're saying this isn't an (laughs) eight-minute podcast? No. But often that's what people say. They're like, oh, it just helps with how fast the compressor attacks it and then how fast it releases it. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Thanks. <laughs> so, so what does Sam Moses say? Well, I mean, to me, I try to think of it as like how it actually functions in reality in real-time use. So for me, you know, if I could dumb it down... You know, what I said is correct. Your attack time, when you have a signal coming in, 
your attack time will determine how quick your threshold gets on it, basically. But really, I think the best way to understand attacks and release times or what their purpose is is to talk about what they actually do. Um, and so for me, like, to start off, like, attack times, basically, the slower the attack, um, which I prefer slower attacks usually, you usually mm -hmm. get more impact and punchiness, um, but sometimes it can make for like uneven perform like uneven performances, or things that are super dynamic can sometimes get a little wonky. Then, and mm -hmm. if you speed up an attack, sometimes it can sound more aggressive, but it can kind of lose transience and impact. So that's like attack, you know, nutshell, and basically like a fast attack also to me kind of just controls things a bit more, but um, sometimes it just sucks the, you know, all the fun out of a signal when you have a fast attack. You can lose the character, you can lose, like, in a vocal, you can lose, like, the S's and, like, the, the things that make uh, up a source when you have a fast attack. Sometimes that gets just wiped clean. And then, like, a release is basically kind of... For me, like a slow release uh, kind of creates a more dynamic control, cr creates smoothness. But sometimes if your release is too slow, it sounds like it's basically sucking the life out of that source. If you do a fast release, sometimes it can add like, make it feel more loud, kind of perceived louder. Uh, it can make things feel kind of dancey or swingy or exciting to me. Uh, it can sound a bit more out front. Um, but also, if you have too fast release, then it creates pumping. So, you know, and with pumping, you get into, like, the transits start getting weird. You can get artifacts. You can get weird kind of sounds you don't want. So that's, like, what attack and release does. That's kind of how I think about it. Now, there's a way that I listen for it, which I think we talked about that in... Did we do an episode on compression? At one time, I think or a way how back we ago. use compression. I think it was 2020, and I briefly talked oh, okay. about how I listen and actually use attack and release. And I stole it from um, the Mix with Your Mind book, which is my favorite book on audio. I don't think you. I don't think you talked about that. Oh, well, I could talk about that, and that's more of like how I actually use attack and release and listen for it and hear more what it's doing and not doing. So maybe before I jump into that, let me hand it to you, Matt, and get your opinion on what you think attack and release does or or how, uh, you know, <laughs> how you interpret it. <laughs> yeah, so we we had a an episode on compression and mastering that aired... January 29th of last year, so, so right over a year ago. Um, so attack and release is kind of like, uh, it's like any time you're kind of like searching for, like everybody knows this feeling, it's kind of hard to put it into words of, you have this issue, and let's just say it's in mastering, you're like, man, I kind of need to control that, but I don't need to control it in this way, I need to kind of control it in this way, so you pull out a compressor. And the 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 default settings, you're you're kind of wondering like, man, like this isn't like really getting me anywhere. And so the idea 
is like I'll, I'll go a little bit more into how it works as well. Um, cause there's, there's a, and it's like, I know, I know like this will probably be like a review. So go ahead and like, go ahead and scoop past my speech bubble. <laughs> if you don't want to, <laughs> if you don't want to hear a lot about how this whole compression thing works. So essentially you have a, a threshold that you set and let's just, uh, no, nah, I won't get into that. Let's just say you have a threshold that you set and let's just call, let's just say that it's a completely horizontal line, which would be a, which would be a limiter as far as that ratio is concerned. Mm. And essentially, you have signal that is playing in, around, and past that threshold. And when, it, when that signal passes the set threshold, your attack time, and the actual definition, I believe, is the attack, is, the attack time is the time at which, at least it's an older definition, it's like three quarters of the signal value pass the threshold is kind of when that time kind of begins. And so you essentially will set your attack time to what in fact you want that compressor to do. If you just want to do a little bit of subtle taming, you normally will go with a little bit slower of an attack time. And it's kind of like, hey, I just kind of want to smooth some stuff out. I don't really want anything too crazy. Hey, you down there, leave that kick alone. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that snare. It's like, yeah, you let that go. Um, but you kind of want like, you kind of want to like grab like a vocal that's like a little harsh, or maybe just the whole thing, just like, a, like there's just too many peaks. You just need a little less dynamic. And uh, so you kind of just dial that in for a little bit slower of an attack. And then it's like, okay, cool. We have this thing kind of like hitting where I need it to. Um, and it's like, okay, well, so where we are right now is the signal has passed the threshold and we have told the compressor, okay, now it is. It, we have grabbed this signal. And at this point, it's like, okay, what do I do with it now? And so the signal eventually will then drop below the threshold and in order to tell it, okay, now, compressor, you need to stop doing what you are doing and this is the speed at which I want you to stop doing what you are doing. And so that is called the release. And so depending on if you want, like, if you have just, like, a really solid vocal that's out there and you really just want that smooth, kind of, like, gluey kind of... um I don't know. You, you just kind of want to smooth some stuff out. Maybe you want to opt for a touch slower of a release. But if you're going for something that's like kind of punchier, if you're uh, if you have something that is that's like, oh, you got like a kick or a snare around the corner or something like that, and th like you gotta like dump the compression before this next thing comes back in, and you're not messing around with any side chains or um, any of that stuff. Um, and you need this signal to drop back down, then a, definitely a faster release time is what you're after. And uh, if you ever want to demo around or kind of kind of play around with this, and I'll even forget that it's like this is a great, brilliant way to do it. I'm not saying brilliant because I thought of it, but <laughs> uh, a great way to do this and to demo what actually is happening is today a lot of limiters are coming out and compressors are coming out with a 
an audition mode, or it's also called a delta. And uh, the delta is what is actually happening uh, to the signal, um, essentially, that is being compressed, that is being limited, that is being removed. And so, um, say you open up the Fab Filter Pro, what is it, C2, and uh, you can you can push that little audition button right next to the threshold, and as you kind of dial up the ratio and you dial up the threshold to where you'd like things, now you can kind of play a little bit more with the attack and release knobs. You're like, no, I kind of need it just to be like a quick like... Kind of like almost like a DSer that you kind of go into a little side chain and you say, I only want these S's just to kind of be taken out. And uh, and that's perfect. And that that's what that would go for. So in that situation, um, you'd kind of want like a medium fast attack. Maybe, yeah, maybe medium fast, depending on how loud that S is. And the, the problem with that is that you would need, uh, you would really like in that range, you would need to work around like a snare hit. Um, so... Sometimes another option besides a compressor might be nice, but you would normally need like a medium fast um, attack and kind of vary that so that you're not really, or you're picking up minimal snare, if any, and then you would need a pretty darn quick release because you don't really want to hold on to that because you could get more of something that you're not intentionally wanting to attenuate or Ooh. subdue or whatever you want to call it. So um, in that type of setting, I highly recommend if you ever have a compressor or something you're dealing with that has a delta button or an audition button, I highly recommend checking that out. So that's uh, that's kind of how it works, at least from my kind of skewed perspective. It's great. Did I go off the, how far did I go off the rail, Sam? I think that was very well said, honestly. Oh, well, look at that. I was listening, and I thought, well, that was a bit more clear than what I was <laughs> rambling about. <laughs> that was a bit more than what I chewed off. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I would have said some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I I have my own ramblings. I didn't think you, you had too many ramblings. You know, I was so. just trying to figure, I was sussing out uh, where we were headed with it, you know. But now I know. I think what you said was great. The chemistry um, for the episode is locked. It's locked. We're good to go. In. I uh, I agree with everything you said, honestly. I mean, that was a great explanation. One of the better ones I've heard from people about here's, compression. So here's where it gets fun with the with the delta of things. So say that, let's stay on Fab Filter. Yeah. And let's say that you're messing with the Pro L2, which I, which I, I still use. I, I'm, I assume you do as well. I do. As your final limiting stage. It's really great just for catching any of that crazy inner sample peak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nonsense. And you get into really fun things when you start playing around with, I, I call it the voices. I can't remember. It might be just called a mode. Yeah, um, character you have like the transparent. Yeah. yeah, that's a character. The transparent, the punchy, the dynamic, all around, aggressive, modern, et cetera. Um, and what those do is it chooses the information that you're going to need to remove in order for it to do uh, what you are asking for it to do. So it's, let's say in more of a modern setting, you're going to be, from my experience, and it's it doesn't tell you this. I imagine the manual does, but who reads that? Um, <laughs> I do. The modern setting, to me, retains uh, about as much low end as possible. 
And so you're going to have like weird like sizzles and stuff. And you can even get into like heavier compression, uh, compression limiting. Uh, that's going to really kind of eat into more of the vocal range before the low end is really uh, taken out. So if you have like a harsh vocal, it's like you can kind of use your final limiter to really kind of dial it back a touch. But so it's like you have that, you have, let's say, verse the transparent tour. It's not necessarily going to take out the low end first. Um, it's going to pick out what's whistling on your end? That's a child. Oh. <laughs> I heard something. I was like, I didn't know what was going on. It's a child <laughs> slutting outside, <laughs> screaming their head off down our hill on our. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, so like on the train, <laughs> we could leave that whole blur we'll bit. Leave it. That it's would fine. be great. Keep rolling. Thank you. Uh, yeah, transparent mode. It's not going to necessarily take out the low end first, even though low end will hit. Let's just say a limiter quicker and. Um, sooner just because you're taking up a little bit more headroom with that low end and uh so the transparent doesn't necessarily go after it first but it's going to so and how those different characters interact or modes interact with that signal material that it's being fed it's really fun to just go into the delta mode which i believe is just the little uh headphones it's like the red headphones uh underneath the output level and then kind of dialing in your attack and release to taste so that you are literally taking off exactly what you want to take off. And so not a lot of people do that or I even think think about doing that, but mm-hmm. it's kind of been a trick that's been pretty handy for a while for me. And so if you don't do that, I highly recommend checking it out. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I like to do with limiters and attack and release. Love Where it. do you want to go next with this info? I just Sam? want to talk about how I use it and listen for it because I yeah. think that's helpful. At least it was very helpful for me to understand it more in real life application. So I'm going to ramble about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> Dude, you're good. I got this like solid block of text. I can pretty much go to the bathroom and come back. And yeah. You'll still be good to talk. Great. Here we go. Okay. So for those listening, um, there is a book I've I've talked about and also mentioned on my Instagrams uh, called Mix With Your Mind, Mixing With Your Mind. And it is one of my favorite books uh, on audio. I don't know if it's on audio, but it's on the topic of audio. And it's not just about mixing. It's it's really about um, how to listen, in my opinion. That's really what it's about. It's about how to listen to sourcing, how to listen to what you're recording, how to listen to gear, how to listen when you're mixing, mastering, whatever you're doing. It's all about real-life application of how to do things, how professionals have done it for years to make great-sounding records. Um, And so one of the biggest or my favorite sections is the section on compression, and uh, I've read it a lot of times, and I've kind of applied all these techniques that are in there, and I feel like they work. And so um, the way that uh, I listen for attacker and lease to see what it's doing um, is really to pull up a compressor, put it in its highest ratio it will go. So say you're on 1176 or something, you put it on 20 to 1 as the ratio, And then I will begin to increase the input so that the attenuation or the gain reduction, whatever plug-in or piece of gear you're on, is showing like 5 to 6 dB or 5 to 10. It really doesn't matter. Just You need to kind of get it going like 
to hear what it's doing, hear it compress. And the attack time is as fast as it goes. The release time is as fast as it goes. And so uh, what I begin to do in that, when I hear it, it's going to sound, of course, probably pretty pumpy and controlled and probably not great. But what I begin to do, and this is kind of what the book explains, is basically you take the attack from the fastest and you begin to turn it slower. And as you turn it slower, what you're listening for is basically for the solidity of the center of the image. If you're mixing, if you're on a mix bus or mastering, or if you're on a source, you're listening for the source to become more solid and kind of it'll come out front to you. If you're in a decent room, it will literally feel like the phantom image is coming closer to you because it's starting to allow more of that transient to come at you as opposed to it being 100% controlled the whole time. So you start to listen for the source to feel more full, to feel more rich, to feel more like the actual source. So that's kind of what you dial back. You just go from fastest to slowest. And in my opinion, once you start listening to this, you can find, I call them sweet spots. You will begin to hear sweet spots within, if you're mixing or mastering or even engineering, you know, a drum kit and you have 12 mics or 16 and you're trying to find balances and blah, blah. You will find a sweet spot where the where as you're turning the uh, attack knobs uh, from fast to slow, you'll feel it lock into place, in my opinion. And it may take mm. a take a while to kind of listen for that. But when you go too slow, you feel it kind of fall out of time with itself. And so there's a sweet spot where, to me, setting it really fast is super aggressive and you're at a super high ratio, so you're really hearing the grabbiness of it. And as you move that thing slower, you're going to feel it kind of solidify, get thicker, and basically kind of come out at you. And you can use that, you know, one of the cool tricks about this is you can kind of use that attack knob then as almost like a volume knob, you know, instead of automating or volume automation in a mix or something. If you want something to be pushed back more, you don't necessarily have to do a volume knob. You could get the characteristic of a compressor by just having a fast attack because usually that kind of traps the source and makes it feel more compact in its space. And as you make that attack go from slow to fast, it kind of gets bigger and takes up more room, which essentially it is because it's got more transients and everything going. So that's kind of what I listen for when I'm dealing with attack. I put it on the fastest it'll go, and I begin to turn it slower, and I listen for the source or the image or whatever to solidify. Uh, it'll become more thick. You'll hear it. Like people that do this practice it practice this at home, just try this out when you get home or if you are at home or after this episode, wherever your studio's at, try that technique out and listen for the source to get thicker and more full and sound more like, I'll say, the initial integrity of the source. So I will usually dial that in first to where it feels nice and full and thick, and this is like at the mastering stage. So when I'm mastering something, my attacks and release are both set high, uh, or by high, I mean fast, and I'll dial that attack back until the whole song at the mastering stage kind of feels like the center and everything is just kind of leaping out. Then I move to the release, and with the release, you're essentially releasing when that compressor releases the signal that it's been compressing and attacking. And for the release, I move that from fast to slow, and as I'm moving it slower, 
I'm listening for basically the swing of the music and it kind of starts to dance with the beat. And this is something that you have to practice listening to, but you can learn it pretty quickly once again. If you go from super fast attack or super fast release and you go all the way to a slow release, you'll feel the song once again kind of fall out of pocket with itself. And when I say pocket, it's like a groove thing. And I know that's kind of, that's a groove thing. It's kind of like an ambiguous term, but we're in the music industry, work on music, and hopefully you know what a beat kind of sounds like and a groove sounds like. If you don't know kind of how music swings within itself, um, you know, it's something you can learn, but you'll probably have trouble making really great kind of vibey emotional records um, if you don't understand that. But sometimes it just takes practice. Got to learn what that sounds like, what that feels like. So anyway, I will move the release from slow to fast. And basically when I do that to me, where I hear it the most usually is I feel like the side information uh, kind of starts dancing with the center information. That's just how my ears perceive it. This has nothing to do with mid side. That's just how I feel like it kind of sounds where because I've adjusted the attack, the center is very like thick and kind of leaping out. And when I adjust that release, it kind of starts to dance off the main beat of the song. And if I go too far, then it feels like it kind of gets sloppy and slow, and then the life of the song feels a little out of balance. So that's kind of how I do it. Then when you kind of have dialed that in with the attack and with the release, um, I switch down ratios on things. Or if I'm on a limiter, it's just always high. But if you're on a compressor and you want to use a compressor on mixing or mastering even, uh, you know, if I was on the 1176, which I'd be using that on a source, really not a mixer or master, I'd start to go down from the 20 um, down to the, forgive me, I think it's 16 or something, and then 8 and 4. And I'm switching through ratios lower to see how low I can go basically um, because I think it sounds a bit more musical that way. But as soon as I feel like the whole song kind of falls out of that dance that I was just talking about between the center and the side, I've gone too far in my ratio. So if I get down to a four to say it's a kick drum or a snare, you know, a snare or even a vocal, to me a vocal is a really easy way to apply this because a vocal is so dynamic and has such range to it um, as a opposed to something that's percussive that's kind of the same in theory over and over again. Um, so like with a vocal, if it feels like the vocal starts to kind of lose its glue and character, um, that kind of push and pull, then the ratio might have gone too low. So that to me has been the easiest way to hear attack and hear release and actually listen for it. And really it's quite simple. It's, you know, for the attack, I'm listening for the image to become solid for it to kind of feel like it's leaping out of the speakers. And then for the release, I'm kind of listening for it to dance with that center image or dance within the track. And then if you go too far to me, if you start listening closely, you'll hear it fall out of its with in time basically with itself. Which gets into, you know, this other little segment, which is anytime we're doing compression and we're dealing with attack and release, uh, times, we are in theory actually changing the time of the song. And so sometimes when we are dealing with attack and release, when we say something sounds more exciting or now it sounds lifeless, it's because we've shifted basically the energy that was there at one point maybe on the grid. And now because of the attack and release is going at you know an extreme time or something, it's now pushed that transient basically away. And so you can make things sound more exciting 
or lifeless. And it's really because compression is changing the timing of everything. So that's where like the swinging idea is, is a real thing because you are swinging now the way these transients are reacting with each other based on the attack and release time because the original source isn't that way. The original source has been locked to the grid or, you know, however they recorded it, you know, at the mix stage. And when we start interrupting that, you know, we have shifted things around, you know, in theory, in milliseconds or whatever. And that's how people can make a real mess. To me, that's one of the things where people talk about compression is so hard to get right and you can make it sound overcompressed or over undercompressed and overcompressed often sounds lifeless and undercompressed often sounds like kind of unnatural. And I think a lot of that has to do with because we are time shifting things, sourcing, and so our ears are very uh, quick in recognizing when something is offbeat or if something starts to feel unnatural, like if it attack is too quick and then it releases, then it sounds pumpy and it doesn't sound like how we would really hear that source in real life. So your brain is constantly just comparing real life to what it's hearing. And to me, the best um, the best sounding records uh, sound in theory to be natural, um, which is a bit of a moving target, I know. But that to me is something, you know, thinking about compression in that it's time shifting on some level, it's an energy shifter, and you can manipulate that with the attack and release knobs heavily. Um, I know if I didn't have control over attack and release, um, I would be in a world of hurt because I'm constantly dialing those in specifically to the song to make them fit and dance within the song. So there's no real like perfect ratio like a lot of people look for presets or where to start. To me, the best place to start is super fast, high ratio and dial everything back as I described it till it feels natural and then drop down ratios. So that's my 10-minute monologue on how I use it how I listen to it. Matt. You probably hit the dang 10-minute mark. Woo! That's great. I was doing an Instagram post on the attack and release show, never <laughs> having an attack and release episode, and I was productive. <laughs> Got a lot done during well, the time. Well, of course, listening to you the whole time. Of course, of course. I tagged you in it, if, you, <laughs> if that matters. Oh, it matters. You better tag I me. I actually do none of that. <laughs> Which I think is why you and I work so well together kind of in this realm, just because like you and I do things so completely like polar opposite. Absolutely. I literally get to, let's say, a limiter or like that compressor and do exactly like what I said. I listen to where things are and then I'm like, okay, this is the information that I want to remove. I'm either getting that or I'm not getting that. If I'm not, I move on. If I am getting that then I literally just hone it in. It's like, nope, I'm not getting enough of it. Okay, slower attack time or like whatever. And sometimes like release is like more of a hold as opposed to release. And I know there's like separate hold features in uh, with compressors and whatnot. But I mean, some like, let's say like an analog gear on the Manly Varimu. And all gear acts different to some degree. And mine might just be weird, but I don't think so. And I really haven't played with the plugin enough to tell you whether this is the case or not. But normally, it's like I'm normally like I or H on the attack, which is pretty darn slow. It's like 
let's call it like medium slow um, attack times. And then it's like, but like on the release, it's like if I'm fast, I'm attacking faster too. Yeah. And I'm like getting a lot more information. And then if I go medium fast, which is normally where I'm hanging out, like the MF, it's uh, like, it's just responding a lot better to a lot more signal material. Like I rarely use the fast setting. And it's really because of how somehow the time constant within this on the release also affects the attack time and the amount of information that's like being like allowed in. And it's not like, it's not a hold function, but it kind of acts a little bit like a hold function. Mm-hmm. So and it's like, I have a, uh, I have an acceleration limiter that I'll use on uh, every now and then. If I just have something that's just like like super poppy and the MPL from Maslix just not going to get it. Um, the it's re- the Maslix really good at getting some things, but it's not good at like killing those things. It's good at like taming it in an analog way, but it's not like this other thing pulls out a freaking gun and shoots it in the face. <laughs> and so it's great for that. And like... Uh, but, like, the release on it, like, I don't know. I could have, like, three clicks on the level input, and then I could just have a normal, like, the normal default um, release time set. And it's like, man, I'm not really getting anything, but I don't want to, like, bump it up a level because then it's, like, really too much. Well, I just crank the release just, like, a, a click or two, normally just one click, and it just holds things and just gets things a little bit more. And it's like where a light wasn't blinking before, now it's kind of like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I want. And it was just because of altering a time constant. So sometimes it will they'll react in ways where it's more like a hold function. As and it's like it kind of sounds stupid saying like like, oh well, release and a hold function. It's like, well, they are in some realms different and they're and and not similar in how they and how they behave, even though release and hold kind of does sound like the exact same thing. Uh, kind of when you get into the nitty-gritty of it, just about everything is kind of dialed back um, like that. But it's like literally when I get into compression, I'm just like, okay, yeah. <coughs> Hello, that was, that was the spirit. <coughs> Tell me I was wrong. Let me go get a drink of water here. I think that's happened in consecutive episodes. Okay, we're good to go. So... Uh, yeah, I literally just pull that guy, like a compressor up. If I have a Delta option, I listen to that. Same with Soothe. Um, I don't know if I use Soothe like everyone else does, but when I put it in, I kind of like adjust the curve to what I want to uh, like get. And Soothe now has attack and release functions. I push the, the Delta, which I don't know if it's called Delta on Soothe. And... Uh, I give a listen to what I'm taking away, and just mentally I have a picture of what is happening on the other end of just the regular signal. And so I'm literally just listening to what I'm taking away and sculpting what I'm taking away, and then I go back to the regular one, and I'm like, no, that was too much or too little, and then I might blend, I might uh, kind of like alter some stuff. So, and depending on the pumpiness of things, I might um, kind of play with some of that attack and release settings. So... I like how you and I do this in two completely different ways. I do too. It's great. It's really cool, kind of like learning how you do it. And um, I think I'm too impatient <laughs> to do it the way that you do it. Well, I'll tell you it's what's quite neat. speedy, though. You know, 
Yeah. You just like I, I pop it in, you know, pop it in high ratio, fast, fast, and then you turn it back. I would say for me now that my ears are in tune with how to listen that way, which I'm not saying is the correct way, but it's well, it's the correct way for the the way I'm describing. I guarantee what I do. you, my way is not the correct way. <laughs> I don't want to say it's the correct way. I'm just saying that the way I listen to it's quite quick. You know, I can turn the knobs within a few seconds and feel it click in. You know, yeah. like it solidifies itself on the attack or it falls out, and then with the re- release, I can feel it really quickly of, oh, it's now dancing off itself, basically, off the attack yeah. really well. So, it just takes a... I mean, it took me a while to listen for it. Um, so, that wasn't a fast process, you know. The but, only the, the only time I ever do that is normally when I'm demoing new gear I've never heard before. And I will just crank it to oblivion and be like, all right, let's see what you're made of. (laughs) And so I now have kind of like the sonic imprint of what this thing's going to do. Like, what's the max that it's going to sound like? What's its actual tonal voice? And I'm I'm trying to not sound like an elitist while saying all this stuff. So, but it's like, that's kind of what, like, I do and... Typically, it's when I get a new analog compressor. I'll just max it to the hill and be like, okay, this is what you do. This is what you do to the top end. This is what you do to the low end. This is what you do at these settings. And okay, I'll probably never do that again. (laughs) Um, What is kind of interesting, and I'll still promo these things. I'll probably promo this thing for as long as the podcast is around. These, like, foot control systems, the P3SME, I know he's on the 4 already, but holy crap. Like, the 3 is really dang nice. And I can only imagine that the 4 is even better because of all the different options that this dude gives you. So it's like, you obviously have, like, your side chain you can do, but you also have different, like, ways in, like, how this compressor behaves. You have an RMS mode, you have a non-linear mode, which I honestly can't tell you the difference of. I just know non-linear is just... Non-linear and RMS have their own attack and release kind of times that I believe adjust per the the input signal. And um, I know that RMS, it takes... For me, at least, it, it feels like it takes a larger, more smooth chunk out of things. And it's not like chunk. It is better at smoothing. And I believe it just... a. a this is me speaking out of my butt. I believe it applies some type of RMS curve, and these are just curves that get applied to uh, the material. Or in maybe the case of the nonlinear, it's some type of nonlinear curve that gets applied. So I have to look it up, you know, maybe read the manual that I actually don't have the manual for this. But you also have another one to where you can push attack and release button, and you can manually dial in attack and release settings. And so... This thing has become a really fun tool if I need to, dare I say, attack something. <laughs> so That's very good. So do you want to get into anything else like dynamic EQs or Soothe or anything else you use that has kind of funky attack and release on it? Um... Not necessarily. I mean, I feel like I kind of apply the same concept of how I listen for attack and release to everything. Um, so I feel I feel personally good about what I've well, said. There you go. 
Well, I... <laughs> but if you want to, go would, ahead. Share. Uh, I'll talk about a few other things. Some things are kind of interesting. Yes. So, like, call it this MPL2 by Maslick. It's the peak and high frequency limiter, which um, there's two of them, actually, that they made. And they actually stopped making this one for a while, and I believe they brought it back. Um, so there's the MPL2, and then there's like something, the DS that they made, which was two dual mono um, high-frequency limiters. Um, so it's like obviously one for the left side, one for the right side. I didn't really care that much for that much kind of control. And... What's funny is that they're for, from what I've seen, they're, all, they're for mastering and they're all swept pots. Um, but it's super cool because it really helps you dial it in. And the whole thing is automatic time constants. So, and it's all about like how you drive it and it's like how it's going to behave. And then, like, the type of signal that it's being fed is how it's going to behave. And it's just kind of cool because it's like sometimes. Sometimes it gets it and sometimes it doesn't get it. But then you can switch it into like an MS feature to where it's only like you can leave some of like if you have like some like crispy stuff on the sides that you really don't want it to touch that it would otherwise touch in stereo mode. You can switch it into an MS mode to where um, it's only going after the stuff in the mono. So the stuff that's like coming like right at your face. And uh and you can kind of leave the sides as crispy as you want them. So it's kind of funny, like, to watch how people have, like, really varied. The Neve, the um, the MBP, it, uh, on the limiter function, if it, I ever have, like, a little bit of, like, a like a sizzle in a mix, there's, like, a little bit of, like, distortion that, like, because, you know, I run stuff a little hot. Um, sometimes it can kind of, like, back that off just by dialing in a little bit of that limiter and it's just a one knob limiter, and it just kind of varies its own time constants, and it's kind of it's kind of sexy in how it works. So, auto attack and release is kind of neat too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last thing I would get into is dynamic EQ. Do you use that at all? Um, not often, honestly. I don't. Um, I use like multi band compression, which is it's similar <sighs> similar idea, not, but, it is. but yeah. No, I don't. I honestly, I don't. I don't use dynamic EQ very much. If I do use it, I like Ozone's honestly as a single module. But I rarely pull a dynamic EQ. But I, know I joke around. You like them, right? I joke around, and uh, I'm a millennial, so I'm well <laughs> more than free to make this joke. Uh, I call the dynamic EQ the millennial EQ, the, the millennials EQ, uh, because it's very. Uh, it, it can be as non-committal as you want it to be. Nice. So, it's uh, I use it for a lot of like. Um, nice way of saying it is de-stanking, and if I have like like a bunch of like uh, like a woolly low end, but I don't really want not not like super low, but it's like we're kind of like in the one twenty area, and it's kind of like you do like a moderately wide curve, and. Because it's in the low end, uh, let's just say that you're kind of hanging out in the mid section of things, and let's just assume that you that your sides are kind of clear of any wall that may otherwise have polluted a little bit of the mid. And so you're in the mid, 
And it's a little bit of a wide band, but you don't really want that uh, EQ curve to remain for the whole song just because you're going to pull out too much. Well, whenever you have that like overly complex, woolly mess kind of like chime in, well, now you kind of like can dip it out. Um, I've also played with it. I think I've said it on here before where... And what did I do? It's like if you ever needed like a little bit of a kick, um, I would go into the dynamic EQ with Ozone. And I, for some reason, I just liked the, the GUI for, for 7 better than 9 is what I have. And I would automate, or not automate, but I would essentially create a bell like right where the kick should be mm-hmm. and kind of where the information is. And then I would have as soon, I would vary my attack release time. So as soon as that kick did its thing, um, it could take advantage of the boost where the kick information will resonate. But then any junk that happens after that kick, it's immediately, that curve is immediately pulled flat. And um, so all you have is that just that low end, that, that, that woofing at you. So I'll normally do that in Ozone and then any like other crazy de-junkin I'll do with that FabFilter Pro Q3. Um, that's pretty That's pretty fun. So, but yeah, it's like you get into that and it's like, okay, well, how am I going to kind of vary this attack and release time? So for instance, kind of looking at the clock here. Um, You're all right. Say, yeah, yeah. I'm like kind of like turned at a weird angle because I have this like other mic because I was too lazy without my other mic. And so I'm turned at a weird angle for my computer, so I had to twist my chair. Anyway, um, so say that you have this, this low-end information, and it's like if you just want to take care of the attack of the kick on the low-end, then it's like you're going to have a pretty darn quick attack time um, because you're just taking advantage of that low-end. You don't want to raise the level of the base at all. And... Uh, then you would pretty much want to time your release so that by the next time that kick comes back, you'll be, um, like, everything will be recovered for the dynamic EQ. Um, And you just, the release is kind of pretty important with that. For some reason on 7, it was like 46 milliseconds was like, or not milliseconds, it might might have been just a regular like random value. Might have been milliseconds, milliseconds might have not been. But if you're going to like the top end, you might want to attack and then release like extra slow if it's like a pretty harsh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Something I also used to do that was pretty fun is if everything was kind of like flat and stale, I used to do this pretty wide bell at 2k where I'd kind of find where like that sweet spot in the vocal was and I would do a boost and it was pretty substantial it was like one and a half to two db and but I would have it so that whenever the vocal would kind of drive in that that bell would flatten out and so this is pretty much like I would do like a lot of boosting with this so it sounded like every time the vocal did in that the vocal was pulling back from the microphone and then it would come back. And Sam, you don't you didn't hear what I just did, but I just pulled away from my microphone so they could hear the fantastic effect that I dialed in mm. to these uh these masters that should have won some serious awards. <laughs> so <laughs> So, but you really need to work on 
varying that attack and release time to really just dial that in and kind of like hone in like what what you need for that specific situation. And so starting out, honestly, just take your time with it and um I wouldn't get I wouldn't get too bogged down with it, but um it's definitely something worth learning and worth uh if nothing else worth mastering, so no pun intended either. Um and that might be I thought I had one more point, but I didn't write it down, so that's probably all I got. That's all I got. Samuel. All right. So Man. creeping from the sweet nethers of the Attack and Release Show podcast on the Attack and Release stuff <laughs> is a sweet beat made by Sam. This is his 88th piece of fine music. Oh man, do you know what? Be, you know what? You should make one of them. What? You should make some Muzak. What's Muzak? You should bring that back. You don't know what Muzak is? Do you remember, like, as a kid, Definitely you came out with your mom? Yeah. And this, and the music that was playing over, like, while like they were shopping. Yeah. That was like old elevator music. It was called Muzak. Interesting. Like M U S A K. M U S. I don't know. Yeah, it's a. Uh, there was also a guy. This is a complete tangent. Y'all are like, man, screw this podcast. Click. Uh, there was this guy who yeah. used to work at Kmart and or just a Kmart. I think it was back in the 80s or early 90s. Mm. And he, like, one of his duties was to switch out the tapes that would just kind of like auto rewind and stuff like that that played the Welcome Kmart Shoppers. And he was just supposed to, like, throw the tapes out, like, put the new ones in. Okay, this one's for Christmas. Well, he didn't throw them out, and he saved them. Oh, my gosh. And then when the internet came around, what a better place to upload all of these tapes to. So there's all of these Welcome Kmart Shopper tape recordings. That's amazing. Of all the old shopping music from the 80s and 90s, and all the ads and all the music and stuff like that is somewhere online. I'm sure that a quick Google search would help you find it, but... That is yeah. I Muzak. just I just typed in Muzak and I'm gonna have to listen to it. <clears throat> it's gonna blow your mind in it a really says, dull and boring way. It says it is elevator music or lift music. <clears throat> you should bring it back. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. You should. <laughs> so, I'm sure there's some type of music or Muzak playing in the background. I don't want to really cause Sam more work than I already do through all the post production <laughs> stuff and. Perhaps there can be like an applause there, maybe a laughter <laughs> from the crowd. Anyway, <laughs> we didn't really have a lot at this episode. So if you're still awake at home, go over to BeesaBeats.com and go buy one of Sam's beats. And yeah, what else do we got? I think that's about it. Maybe Subscribe. I'm just letting a sweet beat play out in the background. Oh yeah, if you like what we said... Let's subscribe, like, comment, share something. Sharing is always good. Mm-hmm. If you have a friend who really doesn't understand attack and release settings, this would be great for them. Maybe you have a friend who needs... Don't Now, don't passive-aggressively send this episode to somebody who you know needs it. Don't be, don't be that guy. Don't do that. No, no passive-aggressive stuff. So, anywho. I think that's kind of all we got. So... Last thing, I always I always forget this too. Why? I usually write it down. Last thing. Yes. If you need a mastering engineer, well, you oh, got two yes. right here. 
Sam can be found over at MosesMastering.com or the same handle, like at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For The Record Mastering and same handle, like at For The Record Mastering. So, well, that's it. Morning, afternoon, evening. Our plug is all done. You now know what Muzak is. Hopefully you're a little stronger with the attack and release side of things. We'll let this sweet beat cue up in the background and uh, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Woo! Cue the music, bud. Cue it! See ya. Mm-hmm.